Hello and welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Dedman. I'm joined as I am every week by the Scotty Pippen of the podcast world, Mr. Shane Reeves. What's Scotty Pippen famous for? <laughs> Being the best number two guy in the game. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I, have, I assumed it was something along those lines, but I couldn't figure it out. I have been going back. I don't... So... I am unabashed in my hatred for the sport of basketball. Right. I don't get it. I don't enjoy playing it. I don't enjoy watching it. I don't. I, I hate it. So, of course, I'm going to end up with a kid who plays it, I'm sure. Sure. But I have been going back and watching the Last Dance documentary right. with Michael Jordan, and it's kind of recounting his era of the Bulls. And, oh, my God, it's fascinating. I have enjoyed literally every second of it. Because for me, like, I grew up during that era. Like, I actually did watch the Bulls. Some, like, scrawny white kid who never had a chance at anything basketball-related. And and I just... So it's fun to kind of relive, hey, I remember where I was when I watched that game. Hey, I remember... It's kind of fun. Well, and I love... So there's two things that have to happen. I love when you can say you are the best in the world at one thing. Mm. And I love being the first guy that can say that. So if you, if you ask Joe Average on the street, who's the greatest basketball player to ever live? Michael Jordan. Now, was Kobe better? Was what's-his-face better? Was so-and-so better? Who, who knows? Who cares? Statistically, probably were. But he was also the first. Well, I mean, you had Magic was in the lead behind. Like, you had a whole – he had some contemporaries. But, yeah, there's always, there's always the one who stands out. In baseball, it's interesting because everyone's compared to Babe Ruth. I right. Mean, even all these many years later, you know, in golf, it was Tiger. And, in you know, it, in, it was in the 90s for hockey with Gretzky as well. So it's just it, – it seems like there's something of an era that, you know – yeah, it seems like that you. It's a it's a combination. It's not just being the best in the game. It's a combination of having the being the best in the game, having the best press agent, and being in the right era. And yeah, the timing is everything, and it's it's funny too because I, I see a lot of correlation between Jordan's career and Lance Armstrong, and the two have something in common that I think is true of all. Anybody who claims to be the greatest of all time or who people claim and is that willing to work hard, willingness to work harder than anybody else out there. And I think that's one of the things that made, you know, Jordan go from a guy who couldn't even make the varsity team in high school to the greatest of all time. And you look at these guys and that's the one unifying factor of anybody who's the greatest is is being willing to put in the work more than when everybody else is asleep. Well, but and, you know, it's. It's always a long-standing argument that I've had with many people about different wrestlers who were the top of their game. Okay, he wasn't that great a wrestler. You know, I, my granny can wrestle better than Hulk Hogan, but he hit the right era with the right look, with the right poop. Yeah. And, all. and speaking of right place, right time, we're going to be smoking the cigar of the year tonight. Well, according <laughs> to aficionado. According to aficionado. Not according to us. Well, <laughs> according to aficionado. And uh, I picked this up. So I've had these cigars in my humidor now for... Over a month. Well over a month. Because I picked them up the day you and I went to Casa. Um, then we both got COVID from two separate sources. Yep. And then um, we've just had a couple of weeks of bouncing. And then last week we had Dapper. We had John on. 
And also, we're finally getting a chance to sit down, and I've dutifully held them back. I have not smoked one. I've seen them around. I've not smoked one because I wanted to have it on the air with the listeners. And some big news from me. I was cooking <laughs> dinner last night. We had uh, sort of Mexican food, uh, American version of, of what we would call Mexican food. And I smelled the green peppers cooking. I'm oh, start- good. Just barely. <laughs> but there is a hint of my sense of smell coming back. So that means that I can enjoy this as much as possible. Well, so this is the EP Creo Edge, or Pledge. I don't know why I keep wanting to say Edge. Pledge prequel. So this cigar, um, it's a Nicaraguan filler. The binder is Ecuadorian, and the wrapper is USA Connecticut Habano. Dominican Republican made tobacco la Sierra in Alonza in um, South America. So, you know, EP Creo won a couple years ago with The Edge. Do you no. need a lighter? No, I got one. Or the uh, Majestic. Ma- yeah. Why do I keep on the, the Edge? The Majestic. The Encore Majestic? Encore Majestic. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was two years ago, and then they followed it up with this. You know, I've been a big fan of EP Creo for a long time. Most of our listeners, I'm sure, will know that uh, Ernesto Perez Creo was responsible for the La Gloria Cubana. And that was his line, standalone company. He sold it off to General probably about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, something like that. And um, and then came out with his own line. The, they've got a couple of flagship sticks that have really... The Cardinal is the one I can think that has kind of lasted through the ages. But they do something interesting that I really like, which is that they cycle their brands, you know. The Encore Majestic is still on shelves, but give it a couple of years, and that'll fall off and be replaced with something else. Now, if the FDA gets its way, I wonder how much of that will stop. But that's been kind of their trademark, and, I, and I've and i always really respected the company for that. And I wonder how much of that is him looking for the next La Gloria Cubana, that next blend that's going to just right. have staying power. It's the, it's the golden note in rock and roll. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, when you know it, when you hear it. You know it when you taste it with the cigar. When it's done right, you know it when you taste it. So in preparation to smoke this cigar, I actually made it a point to smoke an Encore earlier this week. Oh, okay. And also, I'm kind of getting to compare a little bit of the Encore to the Pledge. And I'll... um, Man, that's a toothy wrapper. It's a very toothy wrapper. I mean, that's a a rough leaf. Yeah, and it's it's, it's a box press. Ever so slightly box press. It's not. It doesn't have super sharp corners, but the toothiness really shows out in that area of the cigar. Yeah, and I think that may be it, why we're noticing it more so. And I'll tell you, the pictures that Aficionado have on it, it's about three shades blacker mm-hmm. than the picture Aficionado has of this particular stick. Yeah, this is a dark, oily wrapper. It almost looks tie-dyed in places. Yeah. Yeah, just a very rich cigar. Now, on my first my first puff, um, it's kicking me in the teeth pretty good. Yeah, it's got some body to it. I'm getting a. I'm. It is. I was actually when first lit it and took that first puff. I said, "That's a bold cigar of the year." Because usually the cigar of the year in aficionado is not a super bold. It's cigar. usually in the medium yeah. kind of realm. It's this got, is definitely full. Yeah, it is. And, I'll, and full of flavor, too. I'm getting a lot of that, that leathery earthiness that you come to expect out of a Dominican cigar. 
Yeah, I'm getting a lot of that. I'm just getting a lot of full notes. I yeah. mean, there's a lot, of, a lot in this cigar. I'm not. I'm going to be interested as I smoke it to see how it if it calms down because I'm noticing a lot of cigars kick in the teeth on the front end and then they kind of mellow out. I'm hoping that the that it mellows out just a touch where I can really enjoy the flavors. But we're going to find out. All right. So I guess we have to do the obligatory Super Bowl story, don't we? We do, uh, and I think it's appropriate this year. You know. You and I both went and watched it, but I don't think either one of us really cared all that much. It was the it was the first and only uh, football game of the season that I watched this year, uh, you know. And but I think it's really interesting. You know, we talk about Tampa as being a true cigar city, and here we have for the first time ever the a hometown team playing, you know, in their own stadium for the Super Bowl, and it happens to be in Cigar City, and they happen to win. Yeah. And all it's, you think about the just the fact that in all of these Super Bowls, ever, whichever one this is, there's never been a home team make it to the Super 55. Bowl. Fifty-five, yeah, fifty-five. Okay, and there's never been a home team make it to their stadium for the Super Bowl. And you would think that would be, hey, this, hey, did fellers this year, but you know, we're we're going. You would think they would play a little harder for it on those years, but the NFL is. Beautifully designed. Now, say what you will about sports and about everything, but I will say NFL is designed for everybody to be 500 or below. Right. Their whole system is set up for that, and that is excellent. That really, and nothing exemplifies that their system works better than the fact that it's now 2021. And they finally get a home team win the Super Bowl? Yeah. I do think they miss, you know, because the, the 55 in, in Roman numerals is LV. I think they missed a perfect opportunity with a new team in Las Vegas to hold it there. Well, it just Tampa. would have been nice to. But I'm, I'm happy for Tampa. The, the reason we bring this up is because there was a specific. Um, well, first of all, I'm going to stop. Long before Tampa Bay was called Champa Bay, known for its championship wins, have you ever heard anybody refer to that? Even in the wake of the game last weekend? No. And whoever, it, it's kind of like the jerk that calls Nashville Nash Vegas. Oh. If you I, refer to Nashville as Nash Vegas, you throw should. punch. Yeah, you should go ahead, put your pink cowboy boots on and your hat and scream woo a lot and go to a bachelor party downtown. Yeah. I don't care if you're a dude or a chick. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. blow on your little penis whistle Yeah, just, and just do, have a good time. Have a good time because na- I, I hate that term of a fiery passion. No, I do too. No one who lives here, least of all anyone who's from here, ever calls it that. Yeah. So, Champa Bay. That, okay, anyway, carry on. The city was called. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so it looks like uh, Jeff Borowitz had created a specific cigar for the Super Bowl, and they sold out almost instantly. Yeah, they only had 500 boxes. And, you know, th- it is a real collector's item that it would be the Bucks at Tampa Bay. And this cigar, and he didn't make more. You know, he could have probably sold ten times that boxes right. at, at this point today, and all. But he wasn't able to because COVID. They didn't know how many people were going to be at the game. They didn't know. You know, there's a lot right. of ifs. And all, you know, when I went to Tampa, I did not go to the Davidoff Geneva Cigar Shop. And I'll, I'll probably go next time I go back yeah. down there. But Borowitz, the only thing I don't like about his shops. They don't have a humidor. The whole store is the humidor. Yeah. And I, I don't like that. I want my humidor. Especially in Florida. It seems like such a an ill-fated 
idea to me. But that's well, can just you me. imagine how much you're spending on the utility bills? Right. I mean, to to keep the humidity, you've got to yep. be pumping the humidity out by the five gallon bucket. Yeah, the cost of building the humidor would quickly pay for itself in the, in utility savings, I would think. But I will say this. I have never been to one of his lounges. I've been to two of his lounges in Orlando. The staff is ex- outstanding. Yeah. The staff is absolutely, I've never had less than an absolute great experience of his staff and his people there. And, you know, em- employing good people is probably the most important part, I think, of a cigar shop. Oh, yeah. You know, I think you have to you have to find the right people. You know, I've, as I've been lately going through, kind of getting to ride along. I, I feel like I'm a ride along with a police officer. I'm kind of getting to do a ride along with Robbie and Big Boys opening their cigar shop. Yeah. Because one day I plan to strike a match, throw it into the garbage can at my office, and let the place burn in my wake, and go open a cigar lounge on the beach. Yeah, and this episode of the Cigar Cast will be known as Exhibit A. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, I, didn't, I ain't saying which beach, they'll have to find me. <laughs> what are you going to do, go hit every cigar lounge on the beach till you find me? <laughs> You'll be sitting right next to Andy Dufresne. <laughs> but another great employee, Churchill's cigar assistant and his salary... So this was an interesting article. I love your I love your little editorialization. This is either the best job in the world or the worst. Yeah, it could go either way. Yeah, and uh, so Churchill had a cigar assistant. Um, The so okay, there's so much of this stuff. So New Delhi. So this article's out of New Delhi. It's the Time Times Now News. Um, You want to take a crack at that dude's name? No, Lok Sabah. Lok Sabah. Laksaba? Laksaba was discussing the motion thanks to the president's address. Anyway, so Churchill had a cigar assistant, and it don't say who the, and his, this is, this is the part that I love even more. What he did, classified. Mm-hmm. What his name is, classified. Right. What, you know, and, and I love that, because if you're going to have a cigar assistant, go ahead and do that. Absolutely. And his, it says that he has been working for the system for many years and worked honestly, but his salary has never increased. I love that, too. Look, this guy, you don't know what this guy does, but trust me, he's underpaid. Yeah. yeah, you don't know what this guy does, but I ain't asking you to give him a raise. Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not going to go before Parliament and talk to them about giving my cigar assistant a raise, because then we have to ask, why do you have a cigar assistant? Right. <laughs> and also, you know, in one of the many ways that Churchill is brilliant, the job of the assistant, here's the job, was to obtain the finest Trichinopoly cigars and make sure they reach 10 Downing Street safe and sound. The CCA, cigar assistant, continued supplying cigar to Churchill even after he lost the election in 1945. Kept him on retainer. Kept him on retainer. Congratulations, you're you're an employee of a private enterprise now. This is no longer a public sector job. So, one of my favorite things... If you hear about the amount of shoeshine men that became wealthy during the stock market booms because they were sitting there shining the shoes of a broker and he would say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm short two bucks this week to tip you. Here's the tip. Go buy right. amalgamated metals. And they would go buy amalgamated metals and pretty soon they owned the mall that the shoe shop stand stands in. Exactly. I've, and I've, I firmly feel like modern bartenders have got totally ripped off. 
because now they could run a great fantasy team, but that's about as good as they could do. Yeah, they're not getting <laughs> they're not getting that same level of intel as they once did. Yeah, and I and I feel so. I feel like the cigar assistant. Can you imagine some of the things he's seen and heard? And not now. Okay, I wish it went into this. So was his job to be sure the cigars were properly humidified was his job to be sure they were cut and ready did he fill up his travel humidor every day i I would love to know a little more detail on the duties of this young man i would too especially because like i'm imagining a brinks truck just rolling up to number 10 you know it just it is full excuse me sir what's your clearance top secret this is for this is for the p.m yeah. Oh, yes, sir. Come on through. Unmarked plane wrapper. Right. <laughs> no. Yeah, I could. But now you think about it. You, it's really was crucial that this be a top secret, you know, top secret guy, because say you wanted to kill Churchill, poison a cigar. Well, so it's it's funny you mention that. So I was watching The Last Dance, and apparently in one of the last years of Jordan's career, they were playing in Utah in the NBA Finals. Jordan gets hungry, orders a pizza, and, like, there's only one place open in all of Salt Lake City. Five guys show up delivering, because obviously they know who it's being delivered to. Food poisoning. Right. Nearly missed the next game. It's like, yeah, keep that crap a secret. Like, can't you have the equipment manager order the pizza? Right. <laughs> or, or have everybody go pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> just just call and send somebody to pick it up. Yeah. And, I'll, you know, we have greatly degraded the value of the henchman in today's society. And, I'll, and I think the henchman, you know, we really need a place for henchmen. Yeah. Capone never would have had the kind of career he did if he existed today because he would have been forced to do get his hands dirty. Well, and the henchman is the perfect balance because mercenaries can be bought. You bought them. Right. So you don't want a mercenary. No, you want someone loyal to the cause. But alkalites are almost too nutty. The kind of person that you can get to buy so wholeheartedly into an ideal is by nature so weak they're really of no use. So henchman is really where the rubber meets the road in your subservience. Yeah. You don't you don't want a, a you know, a red shirt on the enterprise. Right. Right, you want a henchman. You know, hench, henching ain't easy. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so Churchill's cigar henchman, I just think that's interesting. It, it's one of those interesting aspects of history because, yes, you know, Churchill, if he had had a regular supplier, and I'd be interested to see how often this guy rotated suppliers yeah. or ordered under another. He had to have some way to be sure that some Nazi somewhere didn't slip a cyanide pellet in one of Churchill's cigars. Mm. I don't know if that would work, but, <laughs> no. but you know, the general gist of it. So it's interesting that that was actually a job. And I guess, like I said, that could have been the greatest, but would you like to have a cigar with Winston Churchill? Do you think oh. it would have been fun, or do you think he would be too heavy? No, I think by all accounts, and we've got a gentleman who used to be a regular here, um, who's who's quite the scholar as it applies to Churchill, and I, you know, by all accounts of, of conversations I've had with him and and stories and and books I've read on the man, it seems like he never really took his job too seriously. I mean, he obviously you obviously have to to an extent to to reach that position in the first place. You know, you can't just be a clown, but. I get the impression that he would be a worthwhile character in history to actually have a conversation and over a cigar with. He would have the ability to turn it off. Right. 
and on. The ability to turn it off is very valid. You know, there, there's times that I turn it on for the podcast, and it leaks over into our conversations afterwards or something like that. Right. And there's time. There's got to be a time that you can turn it off, especially if you're married. Your wife does not want it on all the time. No, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and that's, you know, we talk about, you know, any sort of uh, professional person or, or famous person or, or notable that's one of the hallmarks of a well-rounded person. You know, comedians come to mind. You know, the comedians that have the best reputations are the ones that can turn it off. The ones that have to be on stage all the time are the ones that, that usually get relegated into the pantheon of the Dane Cooks. and the. Well, it's the difference in Robin Williams and Jeff Foxworthy. If I had to distill it down to two guys that one could turn it off and one could not, it's the difference in Robin Williams and Jeff Foxworthy. That's the first time those two have ever been uttered in the same breath, I'm sure. <laughs> and also, yeah, I think one day we're going to do a podcast. And all, and y'all, Facebook in your your thoughts on this. You know, we had a big debate here one night. Who would you rather have a cigar with, Steve Harvey or um, Terry Crews? And I, I said, Steve. The overall majority of people was Steve Harvey. Yeah. And all, but I would like to two similar people. I would like to see who you would choose to have a cigar with. Yeah. Speaking of Steve Harvey, this is I'm kind of going out of order, but you you segued into it so perfectly. Um, this is an article from Cinema Blend. And the title of the article doesn't really matter, but it's no big deal. Just Steve Harvey pulling an Arnold Schwarzenegger living his best life with a cigar. I love the idea of this. You know, Steve Harvey has got to be one of the hardest working people in show business. And it is a true, you know, bootstraps, rags to riches story. Someone who put in the work, had the timing right, you know, and, and all of the things it takes to become a success. He's also a very avid cigar smoker. And I love the idea that just being photographed pretty much every opportunity with a cigar in your hand is enough to make you a de facto uh, comparison to Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Hey, let me tell you something. My fantasy, my dream, my ultimate ultimate goal in life would be to be shirtless on a jet ski and be compared to Arnold Schwarzenegger if it was for my cigar or not. <laughs> Regardless of the... Good, hopefully you wouldn't have a helmet on, though. Well, if my shirt is off and you're comparing me to Schwarzenegger, then I have arrived. <laughs> Stand back. Yeah. Nothing can stop you now. I mean, the jet... My head's gonna swell up. The jet ski's gonna fall over and dump me in the water. Don't matter. And I, yeah, I do like that Steve Hart... But... Now, in Steve Harvey's defense, that may be his cigar helmet. That may not be his jet ski helmet. <laughs> <laughs> that has to keep the ashes off his head. Yeah, that, that may be his just simply, you know, some people have a smoking jacket. Maybe Steve has a cigar helmet. Yeah. He's got the bald head, and they got to keep the, you know, the stuff on it to keep the shine down. There you go. I imagine there has it's to be to some keep, sort of protection. No, I think it's to keep seagulls from diving on it. <laughs> <laughs> and all, but yeah, just a, a great dude. And I do think it is hilarious that, that, that every time a celebrity is out with a cigar, it's called the Schwarzenegger. Yeah. <laughs> and all. And I, just absolutely. But anyway, well, won't we step back, step away? And all, when we come back, we got some other articles to discuss. And all, we're going to talk about a great mansion 
at a bargain in Tampa. Yeah, if if you and I were to both hit the lottery and split the jackpot, we went in on a ticket together, we would be racing our cars down to Tampa to be the first person to put oh, a contract in on this house. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely beautiful. We got a court decision. We got a legal, little legal bit of legal update, and we have a new Anduyo cigar. All right, we'll be back with that more after this. Shane here with this week's Cigar Under 8. This week, I'm going to talk about the very first forged cigar under 8. All right. I'm talking about the Bolivar Cofradia. So this cigar just hit the shop last week, and I got to smoke my first one last week. Um, it is an Ecuadorian Sumatra wrapper. It, it, the binder is Connecticut Broadleaf. The filler is Honduran Nicaraguan. This is a excellent cigar in this price point. Of course, Bolivar, a world-renowned Cuban brand. Yeah, and and to for my money, the only Cuban brand worth seeking out. I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on this. In fact, I know where I can, um, but I just haven't had the opportunity yet. So I'm really looking forward to getting my hands on this. Yeah, just an excellent cigar. Great cigar for the money. Right now, they only come in one size. Well, no, they come in all the sizes. Okay. I've only had... <laughs> The Robusto, the 5x54. The store that I happen to be at only carried the Robusto. They do have it in a 6.5x50 torpedo. I can't wait to try that yeah. and see if that really appeals to my palate. But when you're out there, give our buddy Nate and Sean a hand and buy a Bolivar Confradio. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the Shade Tree aficionado, Mr. Trey Deadman. I'll take it. <laughs> well, you know, I think I've called you an armchair aficionado before. Probably. But, well, it was, so the reason, what made me think of Shade Tree aficionado is inevitably I'll be sitting in a shop and I'll be talking, holding court about cigars with guys. And then somebody like Nate will walk in. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I've got to quit talking about cigars now. Right, because this guy's—he's forgot more than I'll ever know. Right, and I'll—and it kind of makes me feel like a shade tree aficionado. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get paid for it, but it's just something I enjoy in my free time. Yeah, yeah, just absolutely. So, here's the. Oh well, tell me what you're thinking about the pledge. Give me your pledge ideals. You know, I'm really enjoying it. It's got. the The combination of the Nicaraguan filler. And the Ecuadorian wrapper, I think, is is creating kind of a weird, not quite spiciness. Well, I guess spiciness, but not pepper spice. More like a, like a curry kind of, you know, a salty spice, if that makes sense. That's what I'm getting from it. So, if you like E.P. Carrillo's product... You're going to love this cigar. Exactly. That's a the, perfect anal uh, analysis. Yeah, it's very... It's You're not going to compare this to a Padron. You're not going to compare this to a Rat. You're not going to compare this to a Liga, um, an Africa. You're not going to compare this to another cigar and really get a fair judgment. You've really got to hold this cigar. And I'm so glad that I smoked the Encore not long ago just so I could remember that palate. Right. Um, I actually, and I think I would recommend that. If you do lay your hands on the Cigar of the Year, 
just go grab an Encore Majestic, smoke it beforehand. Yeah. You know, a couple of days beforehand, smoke it. And because refresh me, your palate to that. Well, the Encore Majestic is a mild, is a medium. It's a medium cigar for sure. Um, if you smoke that medium cigar, you get hints of what Carrillo's all about. Right. And then this is him doing what he does best. Yeah. And I'll definitely La Gloria Cubana. Definitely a lot of La Gloria Cubana type tobacco. Yeah. I'm I'm really I'm really tasting the Siri R. You know, and that that specific blend, I'm getting a lot of of, of comparable flavors to that. Yeah, just a um, great stick. Absolutely enjoying it. I think um, um, whether or not it's worthy of Cigar of the Year is all a matter of taste. Right. I'm, I'm through beating that horse. I'm no longer going to beat the, the Cigar Aficionado horse. Right. Um, they gave it the award, and it was a very good cigar. Mm-hmm. And I'll, now, do you think, without the wrapper on this, that you could mistake it for a Padron, or, do you th- or without the band... Obviously, without the wrapper, it wouldn't be the same cigar. <laughs> without the band, you could mistake this for a Padron, or do you think the wrapper gives it away? No, I, I think. Well, I think the flavors are. Are you saying before you light it up? Well, so aficionados always fed. The way they do it is they take the band off and they have them smoke the cigar and rate it blind, right? To give a true fair rating. And so the shape is very Padronesque. Yeah. The shape. I mean, I can show you. Ten padrones in the humidor that have that shape. True. I I would say that I can I can definitely see a difference in the wrapper between this and the anniversary series. Uh, I don't think I would confuse the two. I just wonder because it is so similar, both in both in shape and texture. But this is a you know a rougher wrapper. Yeah. And also, Tampa built mansion built for a cigar king asks two point six million. This is from Axios.com. Um, I'm a real estate agent. I enjoy real estate. I mean, above and beyond, you know, I don't sell a lot of real estate. I'm too busy drawing houses. Right. But I enjoy real estate. I enjoy houses. I enjoy seeing, especially when I get to do something really cool. I did a house plan for a lady a couple of weeks ago, and it was all I could do not to say, oh, you're drawing the house from Boogie Nights. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it was a 1970s California porn set house. Yeah. That was the the vibe of this floor plan. Strange enough, she was from California, and they were going to build it down here. And I, I said, this feels very 1970s California. Mm-hmm. And all. And this this house is um, the Antu- Antu- Antuanos family. Ant- Antuano. Val Maestro Antuano. It was built in 1925, which architecture kind of stopped in 1940, I think. I feel like everything, I mean, everything after that was just kind of playing runner-up, I think. Well, if we, so if we break this down to the essentials, this is a great house. This is low maintenance. I mean, the exterior is all staccato. It's got the tile roof. This is a low maintenance house. At two and a half million, it's a low maintenance house. Yeah. Sits on 17 acres, 5,930 square foot, six beds, six baths, and has an 1,800 square foot loggia covered porch. And I love that layout of that covered porch. You really need to go to axios.com and take a look at this covered porch. And all, it's big, it's wide, it's open. I can see walking the length of it with a cigar, having dinner out there. Really a beautiful, beautiful house. 
and on the pool I could take or leave. One one of my favorite sort of pastimes when I've got nothing else going going on is to pull up a any one of the various real estate apps that are available and just pick a random city or a town and then go right into the old part of that town or city this you know the city center the downtown area whatever it is and just see what's available and you you run across so many houses like this that haven't been kept up and you just see the the amazing you know architecture and design that went into it 100 years ago and it's just so it's fun to see something like this that's been kept up to date. Right. It's been meticulously maintained. And, you know, 5,800 square foot, 5,930, so 6,000 square foot is not a giant house by today's standards. It's, it's not. But, but I will say in Tampa on 14 acres for $2.5 million, I feel like that's a steal. I, I feel like I should... Like, as a realtor, professionally, I should send this to Jeff Borowitz. Yeah. <laughs> and say, hey, Jeff, I know you just put the new Tesla truck on reserve, but... <laughs> you really ought to consider, keep it in the cigar family. Yeah, this this is a bargain. This is a house that I think you would really enjoy. Yeah. I'll take my standard commission <laughs> and be happy to sell you this home. And I'll but beautiful, and for the money, absolutely worth every penny. And also, just thought we'd have we have we had a little when cigars and real estate collide, you know it's going on the list. Yeah. And all, all right. So let's talk about the CAO Arcana arriving at retail. So um, this is one of the brands that General kept. They didn't get split off with the um, formation of Forged, um, and it is the first uh, cigar outside of the. ADN that I'm aware of that uses Andujo tobacco. It is. This is. It's interesting to see someone else because we've both been a big fan of the DNA ADN. Yeah. Um, and you I call wore, it one, I'll call it the other, and the way we cover sweet. all our bases. And the DNA, the Andujo tobacco, is always the one thing that I can single out about that. That's always going to make that a unique smoke. The thing that I find so interesting about this is that if you remember the Amazon Basin series that CAO did a few years ago, you know the, it used um, Fumancorda in one of them, and it used Borgonka in the others, the other two. So they are no CAO is no stranger to using this unique style of fermented tobacco. Now this is different from both of those Brazilian styles, but I think if I were going to pick a company to try their hand at Andujo, I this is who I would pick because they they understand working with these finicky, you know, additionally processed and unique tobaccos. Well, and also traditionally processed. You know, every region has its own weather and hum- weather and temperature and humidity. And the different processes, you know, the Braganca is twisted. It's twisted to ferment. It's really... No, it's Fuma and Corda. Or Fuma and Corda, yeah. Really twisted down. And this uh, Anduyo is actually buried. And, all. and it's because it's such a high humidity region, they've got to do something to get the humidity out of it. Right. Hanging it you hang it in a barn from now to the end of time, and it's just going to grow mold. Exactly. So, um, really interesting. So, that it's going to be the Dominican Anduyo Tobacco, Dominican Piloto Cubano, 
Honduran tobacco from the Hamastron Valley and Nicaraguan tobacco from Esteli. Wrapped in a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper over a shade-grown Connecticut binder. $10.99, limited to 5,000 boxes of 20 cigars. I hope I get a hold of one of these. Yeah, I do too. And I bet, I'm going to go ahead and go on the record now, I bet this becomes a regular production if they can get their hands on Londuya. Yeah, I think you're right too. And I, I do also want to point out, man, it looks gorgeous. You know, the, the branding and the design on the band and everything about this box just lo- looks phenomenal. And they are, they're doing something with the box that I have not seen since the Avo Heritage a number of years ago, which is the 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 two-part split-open box lid. Yeah, the dual lid. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to try this cigar. I think... Um, and 11 bucks, it's not bad. I mean, it's the same price as the ADN. I figure my best shot at getting one of these... So it's interesting, because when a new cigar comes out, you kind of run through in your head the lounges that you know and what's your best shot at getting one of these. Um, I think my best shot's Casa. See... I'm I'm a 50-50 split between them or the Humidor. Oh yeah, Humidor does a good good general business. Yeah, they do uh, that, a real that's good general go cigar business. For it. Yeah, so it's it's possible now that I got a buddy that owns a cigar shop, maybe I can. <laughs> that's also true. I can see if I can get him to to slide these in there <laughs> and all. But by the way, can I stop the show and talk about this for a minute? It, 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 you can't it, stop me, so I'm going to, to anyway. Um, <laughs> Nothing just, I can say would temper j- j- your... Just say yes. Okay, I, I can't wait to hear what you have to say, Shane. Everything that leaves your lips is pure wisdom and gold. Please let me sit under your learning tree. <laughs> we, we, are, we are not married. There is nothing you can do to get me to lie to you that vehemently. So... Since we've opened, since they've opened Big Boys in Spring Hill, which is ten minutes from my house, and no one in this building has seen you since. Well, I was very blessed to be able to be part of opening that shop and just being able to be in, being involved. Not necessarily anything; they did all the work. Hey, right? Let me tell you, I had the dream deal. I got to do all the benefits and didn't have to do any of the work you, or lay out any cash. You were a freelance <laughs> consultant on that. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the best way to put it. Um, everybody that I talk to, oh, so you're going there from now on? Can a man not have two cigar shops? Uh, you know, and it's, it's funny because, and I think it's because the nighttime crowd at this shop is so different from the daytime cr- crowd. The daytime crowd at this shop, of which I would say I kind of fall into that category more. I tend to be here during the day more. Is, is people that either work fully remote or kind of work on the road in town. And so they, they pull up a table wherever they can find one to knock some, some stuff off their to-do list. The nighttime crowd here... So so when you're a daytime cigar regular like that, you tend to make your home at a couple of different shops based on where you are. Sure. I'm that way. Sometimes I'm in Dixon. Sometimes I'm, you know... The nighttime crowd tends to be that monogamous shop kind of person. Most people who are nighttime after dinner, I'm going to go to the cigar shop. They've got one shop in mind and they've rarely spread it out. And so I think by virtue of the fact that you're usually here during the evening, it's mostly people that don't go anywhere else and don't wouldn't consider going anywhere else because this is their spot. Yeah, it's really interesting because that's, that's the number one thing people keep asking me. Oh, so you're done going to Crown? No, I love Crown. Yeah. I enjoy Crown. The owner at Crown Austin is an outstanding dude. Yeah. 
And all he doesn't do everything perfect, neither does anybody else that owns a cigar shop. They've got to run the cigar shop how it suits them. If you want it run the way you want to run a cigar shop, open one. You better burn everything and move to the beach and open a cigar shop. Yeah. And all, but it just seems I've been amazed because cigar people are the most open-minded, generous, easygoing people you're ever going to come across. That are also, at the same time, the most closed-minded, judgmental people that you will ever come right. across. That, that can <laughs> that can laser focus on one issue, mm-hmm. and it's hard to move them forth from that issue. Right. But I think that has something to do with it, because I think what happens is the really good cigar people, the cigar people that really make life worth living, they use that laser focus where it really matters. Mm-hmm. Kind of like in our next article. Ace Prime creates a foundation to help cigar workers in Nicaragua. Now, we had Luciano here on the podcast. Great guy. Absolutely. Talking to him, he just oozed a love for cigars. Right. And, and not just not just the inter- industry, but also the community. You know, and I think it's an important distinction. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of money to be made in the cigar industry. There's also a lot of people that make the cigar industry the kind of place where you want to earn a living. And you don't mind spend I don't mind spending twelve fifteen dollars on a cigar because I know that's an artisanal product. That right. they're somebody that knows what they're doing. the The minimum wage worker is not rolling a cigar. Right. You know, that's some, there's somebody there that really knows what they're doing. So Ace Prime announced that it will establish the Ace Prime Foundation within the cigar industry. Jalapa, Nicaragua is where they're going to come out of. And this is just to help the cigar workers. Now, everybody has issues in their life. <clears throat> and the greatest craftsmen I've ever known were the worst businessmen. You know, I know a family of drywallers that they're outstanding drywallers, absolutely beautiful work. They cannot run the business side of it to save their life. Right. It's as if there's a compartmentalization to different types of work. And if that's the administrative thing, there are going to be people that are only good at that and couldn't hit the head of a nail with a hammer if you gave them 30 tries. And there are other people that can't balance a checkbook to save their lives, but they'll build you the most beautiful house you've ever seen in your life. Right. They'll build something just absolutely breathtaking, but they don't know how to sell it. Right. And all of that's okay. It takes all kinds. Mm -hmm. But I think this is such a great idea because now if you have a cigar roller that he's having a little bit of a hard time, his family's fell on some hard times or something like that, you know, um, I'm sure most cigars, most cigar shops operate, or most cigar factories operate like Pedro. Pedro puts 300 cigars a day is all his people are allowed to roll. Mm-hmm. When they roll their 300, they go home. And uh, and I'm sure that there's guys that said, man, I really could stand to roll four and a half. I got a daughter that needs a car. Right. I really could stand to roll four and a half today, but I can only roll 300 today. Yeah. And also, I can see how a foundation like this could really be valuable to people down there just to, just to help them out. Well, and this is the thing, you know, that I think is so important. Ace Prime will never compete with Altitus in general. They just won't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guarantee you their workers are happier. 
you know, th- this is the kind of thing that that puts a focus back on the people and it shows an appreciation from the owner of the company all the way down to the guy that sweeps the floors that everybody is a part. This is a way of showing that everybody is a part of the total mission. Yeah, and you and I have had the argument about happiness before. Yeah. I don't believe happiness comes from your surroundings. Happiness comes from within. You either are happy or you decide not to be happy. And I'll, regardless of what you're doing. But your point is well taken. That you can sit, you you shouldn't have to because you shouldn't be working at Ace Prime making cigars, hoping to one day get to the General Factory. Right. Yeah. You know you should be able to. You know I, a, a number of reps. Every reps are reps are interesting because I've got to know all these different reps. <laughs> you sound like David Attenborough. <laughs> Here we have the elusive cigar rep. Yeah, an rep, interesting breed. Uh, well, you know every cigar co- or every cigar coach, every football coach. When he writes his contract, for he says, but if this one school calls and says, hey, we got the head coach, I want an out in the contract. Yeah. You know, famously here in Tennessee, Lane Kiffin. He, you know, people faulted him, people hated him because he left Tennessee. But he had the out in his contract. If USC ever offers me this position, I'm allowed to go. Yeah. And reps are kind of that way. You know, reps, they say, I'm revving for this company. I love this company. But if this other one calls... But I'm out. If this one company was to call and say, hey, our, our rep just died of a heart attack in Sheboygan. We need somebody to do an event Thursday. I would like to be able to go take care of that. I, I know somebody who's currently a rep because of that exact. They, um, they kind of moved out of the retail side, went into repping, just, and then had to move a couple states away, and had, but had an agreement with the national sales manager for that company and said, if this guy ever dies or retires, just so happened the guy died, but I want that job. And sure enough, it came up and and he went and he moved two states away. And, you know, there's a, you know, up until recently, there was a, there was a company in the industry that would cause me to go back. Yeah. There was, there was one company that if they were looking for a rep, I would put my hat in the ring. Well, and it's got to be the hard part of being a cigar rep is that you, um, as a cigar rep, you want to rep your product, but you also got to say, okay, one, do I love this product? Two, how many lines are there? You know, if you're a Drew Estate rep, you've got it great because you've got the Hoya, you've got the Liga, you've, you've got, got the something Undercrown. for everybody. Right. You've got, a, you've got a wide portfolio down in front of you. Where if you're just repping a boutique brand, you kind of limited in your portfolio. You are. And I think, hey, hats off to our guest, John, last week. You know the one thing he said that no cigar rep has ever said on our show? I don't want a dapper to be every cigar you smoke. Yeah. And to me, that speaks very well of who he is and how much faith he has in his product. Exactly. And that's, you know, I think that's something that... You know, it's it's funny. You don't see it from the front office very often, but you do see it from all the reps, which is this understanding that, man, there's room for everybody in the humidor. And like anything, I think there's trade-offs. You know, if, if you work for a company like General or Forged or Drew Estate where you've got a huge, or Altitis, where you've got a huge playbook to pull from, yeah, you're going to get, you know, you've got a lot of different options. But 
a lot of those companies, again, decisions from the front office, you know, require these massive opening orders and require these people to dedicate so much of their humidor space to their brands that makes it its own barrier entry. Whereas if you're working with the boutique that only has three lines, you know, even if they bought everything, they're still not taking up a lot of real estate. And I think, so you get a, you know, as long as you're half decent at your job, your barrier to entry, at least for that objection, goes down. Yeah, you know, and I think that's the attitude to have. You know, one of the things that always drove me crazy, my sister-in-law worked That for, was lovely. That oh, came did through. it come across the yes. microphone? Excuse me, folks. <laughs> um, well, it's what happens when you wolf down supper on the way up here to do the podcast. Fair. I wonder what took you so long. <laughs> no, I had to grab something at the house and just chug it on the way up here. Um my sister-in-law used to work for Coca-Cola. And when Coca-Cola went out to a restaurant for lunch, a work dinner, if that restaurant served Pepsi, you weren't allowed to go to that restaurant. Right. Is that not just a crock? Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're a brand like that, you know, just just realize that you're doing fine. Yeah, just let let your workers be happy. Yeah. Don't make them, you know, even to the point that uh, if you had a bottle of water on your desk and it was not the Coca-Cola brand of water and all, you could be you could be penalized. Right. And that's just insane. Yeah. It, 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 you're not you're not married to the company you work for. <laughs> you know, and I think a lot of times that gets forgotten of, you know, it would be like Nissan firing everybody who drove a Toyota to the plant. Right. Well, if I, you know, and if I owned a cigar company, I would want a rep that smoked other people's cigars. I would, too. Because then I trust them when they tell me that theirs is the best. Right. Then they can try it out. And then when a customer comes in and says, okay, what do you have that's like a Perdomo Champagne? The Perdomo Champagne is my favorite cigar, but I would like that profile but a little beefier. You've smoked a Perdomo Champagne. You can guide them properly. You don't have to try to fake your way through it. Exactly. And also, I, I really respect that. But that's just one of the great things about the cigar industry as a whole. Yeah. All right. Last thing. We're coming up on the end here. Court declines to throw out substantial equivalence requirements for premium cigars. So you're, one of your talents, one of the things I admire about you, is being able to take a complicated thing like this and break it down into something very, um, very consumable by the average Joe, usually me. <laughs> so, break it down for me. What is he saying? So, essentially, the reason we were, just full disclosure, we were going to pass over this article entirely um, just because it's really not saying that much. But it's important because you may remember back in, I think it was September or October of last year, we talked about a ruling from a judge, Amit P. Mehta, that was actually in favor of the cigar industry. And essentially what it boiled down to was that the FDA had not taken the proper channels to establish their ruling and therefore they had to start over. I think what was happening here is that the Cigar Association of America and others who were the who brought this lawsuit forward were essentially hoping that Judge Mehta would make a similar recommendation on substantial equivalency, which is that the FDA did not follow you know their the proper protocol and timing and everything to to put this in effect what happened though and so 
So essentially what happens is they were they were asking the court to clarify, okay, it was August, that basically delayed those requirements or kicked it down the road. And, and essentially the ruling now is that the court doesn't have the authority in the way they were bringing the arguments to make a ruling. So it, it looks like it's in favor of the defendants, in this case, the FDA. But what it really is 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 nullifying the, the arguments as they're written. Well, and I like the, you know, if you read Ahmet, Ahmet Mia's, Ahmet Meta's ruling, if you read his ruling on it, he really provides a guideline. I don't feel like I've got the power to do this, but here's the avenue you will have to go through if you want to get this done. And that's and that's what I think is really important. If there's if there's only one takeaway from this, I think that's it. You know, the legal system. We talk about legalese, right? The language that lawyers use. You know, is it not true that you weren't guilty of not di- what? You know that, but words have a certain power when they're used in a certain way. And and the law really boils down to is this written in a way that's open for interpretation? And you have to be very specific in the language you use and the way you use it. And what he's saying here is that the way you phrased your argument, I can't do anything with it. If you want to bring this back again, I need to know these things. And it's just giving them the other, the opportunity to frame the, the legal uh, arguments in a way that actually gives the courts the power to make a ruling. Yeah, and I I like it. I I like what he did. I was a, at first it felt like he was kicking the can down the road, but as I have dug deeper, I think that he didn't. I think that he said, I don't want to make a ruling here that's going to be easily overturned by somebody else that's going to say, hey, Maida's obviously pro cigar and he overstepped his bounds. Right. I think he's giving the. I think he's doing a great job. Of just giving the the people the power, giving the the cigar people the actual power to do it. Something I just I, I read that I, I wanted to bring up earlier, and I overlooked it, so I wanted to bring it up real quick before we wrap up the show. Um, Congress. So when Congress gave the FDA the the um, the the authority to regulate cigars. Um, that was it was that language that was being challenged in this lawsuit so basically congress did that it's legal that's not the issue it's the way the fda did it and so that's what this ruling was actually based on and i, I thought that was an important distinction it not because it, it, the argument the lawsuit was over whether or not the fda has the ability to do this well congress already said they could what you need to be arguing is whether or not they did it correctly yeah so, all right, it's time now to rate Aficionado's Cigar of the Year. I will give you the option of myself going first or you may. You go first. Very full-bodied. Um, this is going to appeal to a cigar smoker that likes E.P. Creo and likes a full cigar. Yeah. If you smoked the Majestic and you said, boy, that was good, but I'd like just a little bit more, this, this is, is strong. Yeah. This is strong in that category. And I'll, I'm going to give it a six and a quarter. Okay. Uh, six is not quite a six and a half for me because the the over I can see a limited appeal to this cigar. And I'll, 
but it's not less than a six for sure. So that for that reason, I am deeming this a six and a quarter. See, I am going to give it a... I was actually going to give it a five and a half, but your description... Uh, I'm going to give it a five and three quarters. I didn't think we were allowed to do quarters, so... Uh, <laughs> you have poo-pooed that many times before, but I'll let it slide because I am going to put an asterisk on this. As I mentioned last week and earlier in the show, my sense of taste and smell is still not where it should be. I'm getting something from this, and I'm enjoying it. I don't know if the five and three quarters that I would give it today is a is a proper analysis of this cigar. So I don't want to mar it with that. I will have another one once I'm back to full strength, and I will give it a proper rating. But as for right now, kind of a placeholder for me is just shy of a six. That seems very fair. Well, how do they get a hold of us, Trey? You can reach us at info at thecigarcast.com. We're on facebook.com slash thecigarcast and Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast. And a quick little housekeeping item here. We um, have been getting some reports from some of our listeners that we that the uh, podcast is not available on uh, Android Marketplace, the Google Play Store. I have taken some steps to try and rectify that. My understanding is that I have now fixed that. If you are an Android user and you're still not finding it, please drop us a line at info at the CigarCast so that we can make sure that you're able to get our, our podcast on the platform of your choice. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. 